Boom, put boom, boom, side, B side, what side are you on? Hello, and welcome back. I don't know why I said hello like that, but we're going to go with it. So hello, and welcome back to another episode of A side, B side podcast. What's going on, Adam? Hello, Brooke. How are you? <laughs> I think we should just do that the whole episode. Hello. hello. Very doubt. Very Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes, Mrs. Doubtfire. Hello. Put, put my face in a cake before I say it. <laughs> and then you got to burn your, you know, your boob pads like she did yeah. too. I mean, it's not Friday, but let's let's get crazy. <laughs> oh man! All right. So this week, what is uh, okay? First of all, let me tell you the story that I saw earlier today because as soon as I saw where it was, I thought of you, and I could not stop laughing. Okay. So apparently this woman in Minnesota, obviously high on whatever, I believe it was meth, um, goes to like a car dealer, gets in the backseat of the car and starts um, having a lot of fun, if you catch my drift. Okay. And when police arrive and ask her what she's doing, she said, oh, I thought I was in Florida. (laughs) Which I mean. What? So that would have made it okay. I, I almost feel like people would have been like, "Well, I, I guess, I guess, uh, if you thought you were in Florida, oh, I, I had not heard this at all." But wow, <laughs> I can't imagine the police officer that had to, to to arrive to that. Like, oh, uh, yeah, okay, okay. And the story, the story that I'm reading says that not only did she say she was in Florida, but she kept going while being questioned by the police. <laughs> she had a job and she was determined to finish said job. Yeah, and I, I love how, so this is a, a report from, uh, let's see, James from the Dave and Chuck the Freak Show weekdays, 5.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. on WRIF, uh, which I've never heard of before, but clearly is my go-to source for all journalistic information. Uh, The responding officer looked inside the truck and saw the woman pleasuring herself digitally, which I think he means using like her digits. Fingers, yes. But it does bring up, like, we talk about things being digital now. <laughs> she used her that, phone? I, w- I was like, my first my first blush, I was like, what? How digitally? How did, hmm. Yeah. But then digits. Gotcha. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, so thank you to our correspondents, Dave and Chuck the Freak. Uh, weekdays, 5.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. on WRIF. <laughs> don't know where that is. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, I was like... Uh, Minnesota and Florida. Could you get any further apart unless you were in like Washington? I mean, yeah, I just love that. Like, that's become like people's go-to response. Like, oh, sir, why did you do that? Oh, I thought it was in Florida. Right. Oh, well, understandably, because Florida just weird stuff happens there. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, Dave and Chuck the Freak are out of Ferndale, Michigan. So, just a further add to to the confusion i go to get my minnesota information from a morning show in michigan (laughs) first-hand knowledge right there that's right you know i like to go as far away from the source as possible 
Uh, well, there was a, another story this week that I was going to forward to you for potentially a, a future uh, B-side because uh, there was a cold case here in the Twin Cities uh, involving a husband and wife that for uh, 10 years went without an arrest. Wow. And just just this week, finally uh, had the husband get arrested. So oh, wow. I will, I'm going to forward that to you as a potential... Because uh, just like listeners, I can send in story ideas too. Absolutely. He says hoping. Oh, okay. He says hoping for, uh, for some verification. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So I was. I saw that, and I thought of you, and I was like, "Wow, it's in Minnesota. There's definitely a connection." So, uh, maybe that will. Uh, I, not as fun as the one you found. No. Uh, which. Yeah. Hey, I mean, I guess, like you said, she had a job to do and certainly was going to get it done before she went to jail. Yes. She wow. had more so, privacy, I uh, guess. Yeah, in the back I, of the truck. I did not see that. I mean, in, in a weird way, it's a very interesting commercial for that truck. So much room for activities. <laughs> yeah. Wild, wild times in Minnesota this week. Yeah, when it when it rains, we we had our first uh, tornado sighting uh, that I noticed of the spring. So uh, everything's getting a little crazy with the weather. So maybe that's uh, sending people off. You know, like the people's knees start to ache and dogs and cats run around when a storm's coming. And this lady finds a truck. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, have you seen anything good this week? Uh, I have. Uh, so we were talking about Quibi. Uh, a couple episodes ago yes. and how it didn't r- really take off. Um, well, all of a sudden I get this email from Roku that on the Roku channel are all of the Quibi shows. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they're all free to watch now. You don't have to have the, the Quibi app or any of that. Um, so I, have, I got back into finishing uh, Flipped, which mm-hmm. is... Uh, the you know um, couple that gets that's trying to become a home renovation like celebrities, and uh, then they get kidnapped by drug dealers because the house they try to flip is is a drug house, and it's very cringe comedy, and that's what like it's funny at times, but it like the cringiness I can only do so much, yeah. and even in even in eight minute episodes, it's just I've been stuck on episode like nine and. Uh, the drug dealers uh, are played by Andy Garcia and Eva Longoria, or Eva Longoria, sorry. Uh, and they do a very good job, but it's just all so cringy and like awkwardness. And it's just like, I have enough of this feeling in life. I don't know that I want to see the entertainment. So I stopped watching that and uh, got into a documentary on that I had seen on QB that is now on Roku. Uh, called Blackballed, and it deals with all the behind the scenes of the, uh, it wasn't really protest, but it was the the movement and the uh, story behind Donald Sterling, who was the owner of oh, the, yeah. the Los Angeles Clippers, and the tape comes out and how the the players, you know, were they going to play the protest and then how quickly all that happened. And I remember at the time, I mean, this way back in, 2014 it happened like within you know like two three days the 
the uh, tape coming out and the NBA saying he was going to sell the team. Uh, but it really gets into all the detail behind uh, at one point, like the players in the middle of the playoff run weren't going to play. Uh, and you've got behind the scenes interviews with everybody from like Adam Silver, the commissioner to uh, journalists in LA to the former mayor of L- LA, Eric Garcetti and the Clippers head coach, Doc Rivers and uh, Chris Paul, who has had a renaissance and is now on the Phoenix Suns and are in the number, they're like the number one or number two team in the playoffs this year. Uh, But it's uh, DeAndre Jordan, Matt Barnes, like all these players giving you like firsthand accounts of what it was, what was going on at the time. And it's, um, it was something I completely forgot about. You think of the social justice stuff within sports, how it's changed over the last, you know, year or even a couple of years, but it's been, you know, happening for a while that uh, players are becoming more and more vocal. Uh, and so this was something that I completely forgot about. And just, I had never really dove into the comments or listen. I just heard that he said some stuff and listened to him. And uh, it was very eye-opening uh, and very well done documentary. I'm almost through it, but it's another one of those where it's set up in bite-sized pieces. So each episode is like, Seven, six to nine minutes, six to eight minutes. Uh, so highly recommend it if uh, you're in, interested at all. It's it's worth it and free now on Roku on the Roku channel. You should check out. <clears throat> I was telling you that the that show or that movie, um, the most dangerous game with Liam Hemsworth is. Yeah, on. yeah, that's next. Yeah, yeah. it's so I, good. I, I was actually excited because I know we've talked about it. Like there was some stuff on there that I was interested in watching. I just didn't want to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. Which, so I gotta which, check this out because I have a Roku TV. Oh yeah, so yeah, I've got it. I've got the Roku thingy, and I just go to the channel, and it's right there. They're they're highlighting it, so it should be pretty pretty easy to find. Okay. I um saw the new Angelina Jolie movie that is on. It came out in theaters and of course on HBO Max because Warner Brothers has that deal. It's called Those Who. Um, Oh, come on now. I just forgot. Those Who Wish Me Dead. Yeah. So I, I've seen the previews. and The previews are all like very action-y, but it do- doesn't give a whole lot of context. Is she protecting someone or are they? is she on the run? Or So the title would have you think she's on the run, but she's actually protecting someone. Okay. Yeah. That, that was, I mean, not that it's a huge difference, but yeah it's interesting it's got very old school like 80s 90s like early 90s kind of actiony vibes yeah like it definitely like it kind of reminded me of uh, like the style of like more like um like when she was doing like the laura croft movies and wanted the one where they spin the bullets and yeah, like, a- yeah almost yeah. like it was like that actiony but not cartoonish not like video game but like trying to be like more realistic action, like hardcore. Yeah. Someone um, said it's kind of like salt too. And it, it was like, well, yeah, I could see like if they said this is a salt, you know, sequel. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Assault. That's another one. Yeah. I really enjoyed that one. Too. I did too. So I think you, I think you would enjoy those who wish me dead. It does start off a little bit slower, but then, you know, once you get started, it gets started and there's a couple of characters in there that i'm i like i keep forgetting her name but there's a character in it that 
you know, Angie, of course, is the star, but this chick, you're like, wow. Her name is Medina Singher, Singhor. And uh, she's she's really good. So I'm going to look out for her and more stuff. So she could be that guy from that thing. She could. She could. Hopefully she will be. Hopefully she won't. No, hopefully she'll move beyond that guy from that thing and yeah. become known. But I think she she could be that guy from that. Oh, yeah, I remember her from that movie. She was pretty kick butt. Oh, it's got Nicholas Holt in it, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who I always thought was going to become a bigger deal. I always confuse him and Sam Claflin. I think I've done this on one of our podcasts before, him and Sam Claflin, because they favor, but Nicholas, um, Sam Claflin is a, a little, a I don't want to say it and be mean, but he's a little more attractive. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Jake Weber, another that guy from that thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Often plays a dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or an officer. Well, he was on Discovery. Yeah, he was. Wasn't he like the dad on Thirteen Reasons, Reasons Why? No. No. He was in that though. Jake Weber. Yeah. So I'm. I'm looking at the thingy. Huh. He played Barry Walker. So I thought it was the dad. Oh, Hannah Walker's dad. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm thinking you meant <clears throat> the 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 this the boy on there, yeah. but yes, Hannah Walker's dad. Yes. Ooh, and Littlefinger's in it. Who? The guy from Game of Thrones. Littlefinger. Oh, okay. Peter Baelish. You had Us. me there because I've never watched Game of Thrones. John Bernthal, you know, Punisher is in it. What is, is this? Is this a, because I see Tyler Perry's in it. Is this another of the, because you know, like uh, Angelina Jolie did um, uh, The Bone Collector. Mm-hmm. And... No, it's not. It's not. Okay. Because that there was an there was a author that wrote those series that Tyler Perry then started taking over. Yeah, no, it's not. Okay. So just. It was, a, those were like James Patterson books. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. But anyway. We've turned this into an Angelina Jolie podcast, so. I think if we're honest, wasn't it always really? <laughs> Secretly, yes. Secretly, we just <laughs> never said anything. If you go back and listen to the other 44 episodes, there's always an Angelina Jolie reference. <laughs> that may or may not be true. I just need you to go listen to all other 42, 44, because <laughs> we, ne- we need the downloads. So please go back. It's if you can find a reference. True. If you can find the reference for Angelina yeah. Jolie in every single one of our podcast episodes, we'll give you a t-shirt. Absolutely. <laughs> but you gotta re- you gotta record them and verify with a third party. So <laughs> we're just like the Guinness Book of World Records. You gotta you gotta record and verify. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. We All are right. on we are just we are not focused today. No. Okay. We are. We got to get on it. We got to get on it. Okay. Uh, I mean, I like it, but. <laughs> All right. So this is episode 45. That means we are just a little over a month away from having done this for a full year. Yeah. We've moved into our mid forties. Big, big, big time. Yes. Thinking of getting a sports car. Midlife crisis there. 
Yeah, yeah. Mid, mid podcast crisis. Yeah, my, my, except for my current stage in life, my sports car will be a matchbox. <laughs> All right, so forty five. That means I get to start this week. Excellent. Okay, so we've talked about this term before: a blue beard, lady blue beard, or things like that. And that's usually just a description. That's it's like a disparaging term often used to determine those that kill multiple family members. It's based on a children's fairy tale because we know how wonderfully morbid children's fairy tales are. Well, they were, they were meant to be like warning stories, you know, like like parables, like don't go into the, don't follow weird little old ladies into the wood. You get baked into a pie. (laughs) Obviously life life lessons. Right. Right. So it's based on a fairy tale in which a blue beard kills multiple wives and then leaves them to decay in a special room in his house. Um, Not the Christian gray type of room. This is, you don't want to go into this room at all. It's not the red room. Yeah. Nope. It's, it's, it's the scary murder, murder room. So this, this week we're talking about someone who has been dubbed Atlanta's Mrs. Bluebeard. Her name Roberta Elder. Um, real quick, another reference to that Bluebeard. According to reporter William Falks of the Pittsburgh Courier, she outdid the original namesake. I just want to throw that in there real quick. She like reset the, the threshold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So not a whole lot is known about Roberta's early years. I know I said that last week when we talked about Abraham and then I was like word vomiting like his entire past, but that's not going to happen this week. <laughs> but the, the reason for that is um, when it comes to mainstream media coverage of black victims and their perpetrators, it leaves a lot to be desired. It's extremely lacking, especially you know in the past. Black or people of color POC victims haven't always been deemed as important or as as important as their white counterparts, Mm -hmm. which by contrast, blacks and POCs are overly characterized as violent criminals and overly represented in the media. So take that with, you know, take that information. Mm -hmm. So, There was always the thought that women couldn't or weren't capable of being serial killers. But we have learned from what Marie Besnard, Nanny Doss, uh, several others, (laughs) that Mm -hmm. that is not, in fact, the case. I mean, I feel like at least and I'm bad at numbers and also memory. So take this with a giant bucket of salt. Uh, But it feels like at least a third of our stories have involved female killers. I would say that's probably true. Yeah. We're just going to go with it because there's no one to fact check it until you listen to all 44 episodes. <laughs> so when you take into account the lack of coverage, plus the fact that people thought that women couldn't be serial killers, you hence get a lot of missing information. Mm-hmm. What we do know about Roberta was that she was born in the early 1900s in Rockinville, Rockinsville, Georgia, but her timeline is extremely vague until about 1938 when her killings are believed to have began, begun, begun, began. Started. There you go. So we've got, um, no, we've talked about women and when they're serial killers, it's very different from men. Men usually are like power 
killers, thrill seekers, things like that. Women are usually doing it for financial gain, life insurance, money, or, right? Know, yeah, new new husbands. Yes. So we know that we're going to assume going into the story her motive, financial gain, and we've also learned with women what's their weapon of choice. Poison. Yes. That girl used poison. <laughs> My apologies to Belle Vivdevo. <laughs> no, they would love that. Mm -hmm. Sure, they would. So her, her first victim is thought to be her common law husband, John Woodard, who died December of 1938 at the age of just 36 under suspicious circumstances. Shortly after the death of her common law husband, six months was the wow. death of her son james willie thurmond in 19 in uh, in june of 1939 12 year old james was a product of her first marriage his cause of death was listed as malnutrition and respiratory trouble mm -hmm. over the next 10 years her victims continued to pile up including her two-week-old daughter Willie Mae Thurmond, her daughter from her first marriage, Lizzie Mae Thurmond. Those Mays are spelled differently. Willie Mae is M-A-E and Lizzie Mae is M-A-Y. Yeah, you don't want them to get confused. No. Lizzie Mae was her one-week-old daughter from her first marriage. Also amongst her victims, her two-year-old grandson, Jimmy Lee Crane Hunter in 1943. Her cousin, Gloria Evans, who died from food poisoning, on December 26 of 1944. Mrs. Kelly Brown, who was Roberta's mother, died in 1945. Roberta's husband, this would be husband number three, I believe, uh, James Garfield Crane died from poisoning in 1947. Mrs. Willie May Alder passed in 1950 from what was believed to be influenza at the time in 1950. She was only 41. Willie May was the ex-wife of her first husband, of her husband, uh, Reverend William M. Elder Sr. We also have amongst the victims, two of William's daughters, Fannie Mae Elder, who was 15, and Annie Pearl Elder, who was nine, both of whom were listed to have died from influenza in 1951. But Annie Pearl's and Fannie Mae's deaths were later listed as arsenic poison they were exhumed and their hair was tested oh wow, wow. i guess that makes sense your hair can tell you a lot oh yeah they say like things last in your i mean until it grows out and comes off they can test your hair and it'll be able to tell you whatever you did now if you're wondering why they were all listed as the victims it's because um, arsenic poison can mimic flu-like symptoms and go undetected, especially in a time when testing was not prevalent. Short-term symptoms include vomiting, abdominal pain, and diarrhea. So I said was, I meant wasn't, why they weren't listed initially. Yeah. It wasn't until her final victim, her husband, Reverend William M. Elder Sr., that Roberta finally found herself under suspicion and all because of bananas 
and cheese. Bananas and cheese. First of all, I wouldn't have been a victim if she was trying to serve me bananas because, ew, I hate them. <laughs> so I'd have been like, nah, I'm good. Thanks. But the cheese might be where she got me. <laughs> yeah. I have been eating a lot of bananas lately because I bought some and they sent a whole like bunch and mm-hmm. it's only one person. So then I feel like I have to eat them all very quickly because they're going to go bad right so i've had like bananas for like lunch and dinner for three straight days not not just bananas that that'd be bananas but uh yeah so this is very strange we talked about bananas (laughs) remember the last time i got a banana you might want to check it now did you have them with cheese i well i mean i have cheese in most of my meals so (laughs) yeah cheese was definitely in there this lady could have off me real quick So the Reverend William M. Elders was a respected Baptist preacher in Atlanta who had suffered the loss of not one, but two daughters from, you know, the flu. Mm -hmm. Technically, that's, you know, until we find out. And and, I mean, and to give it context, a lot of people were dying from the flu flu in the early 1900s. It was a different time. It wasn't like as rare as it is now. So you know when somebody says hey they had the flu it's like oh that stinks sorry about that they weren't gonna immediately be like yeah but was it arsenic exactly and i mean like look at the numbers of the flu like last year because everybody had on mostly everybody had on masks so the flu Mm -hmm. numbers were like way low not like they were in the early 1900s yeah colds too i mean we found the cure for the common cold it's just don't see anybody and wear a mask (laughs) right right so technically Roberta and the Reverend were still newlyweds under bottom circumstances. Like maybe this could have been a sitcom. That's why I said under better circumstances, I'm not making fun of the victims. Or just like a dark comedy. Uh, Yeah. Something you'd see on like HBO late at night. Death becomes her type. Yeah. So they had only just gotten married about two years or they had only been married about two years when he fell ill. William's full-time job was working in construction. And one day he became ill at work after eating his bananas and cheese. Not like a banana and cheese sandwich. It was like bananas and cheese. Just, you know, here's a banana, here's some cheese. Right. So he got so ill, he had to leave work. He went home. And of course, his doting wife had to attend to him and care for him. His adoring Roberta. So the family physician was called and William was given medicine and told, you know, if you're not feeling better, if you don't improve, call again. The doctor was called, but only after it was too late. Mm. William was already dying. Roberta, as reported by William's children, um, reportedly gave William a mix of milk, excuse me, not a mix of, but she gave him milk of magnesia to help ease his symptoms. Something that she yeah. had also done for Fannie Mae and Annie Pearl. Now, if you don't know what milk of magnesia or mom, some people used to call it mom. Do you remember that? When people would oh, call yeah, it mom? Yeah. It's for upset stomachs. It's, it's Tums or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. It's a white chalky-like substance. You're like, why am I drinking chalk? Yeah, and it does not taste good. Mm-hmm. It gets the job done. Doesn't yeah, taste well- good. Because your entire inside is coated with chalk. And it's like, what do we do now? Right. (laughs) So William never recovered. 
it was thought that he passed from not the flu this time, but pneumonia. The family doctor noticed something seemed off though. So instead of signing the death certificate, he called the county coroner. This happened to be the same coroner that examined both girls. And when he saw William, he was completely shaken because William was like completely emaciated and his skin was ruddy. So he was concerned about the possibility of being poisoned. So he tested William. And of course, we will find out exactly what he was afraid of happened. And then once it seems like once they start testing, then they've got to go back and start retest people. Right. Because it's like, well, if she did this to him and if the symptoms mimic, well, we've got to make sure now. Mm-hmm. So after finding arsenic in William's body, he, um, he called the authorities. The authorities tested all the remaining family members to see if they have been exposed to arsenic as well. All the ones that are still alive. And some had started to show symptoms. Well, now we've got to exhume the bodies. So Annie May, excuse me, Annie Pearl and Fannie Mae were exhumed and there was trace evidence of arsenic found in their hair. So police arrest Roberta Elder on September 26th of 1952. As with all the female serial killers we've discussed, Roberta had life insurance policies on each and every one of her victims. All of the policies naming her as the beneficiary. Of course. Now, remember, this is 1930. So this is some good money. The policy range, the policies ranged from 50 to $250, which would be about 487 to almost $2,200. Yeah. So not crazy, but chunks, good chunks of change. Right. And I mean, and if you're, you know, in a, a lower income household, that's good money. Yeah. I mean, we think of the stimulus package. I mean, people were over the moon for 600 bucks. Right. Very a perfect example. Yeah, in today's economy. The largest policies were on Fannie, which was $500 in the 1940s. So that's about $4,900 today. And William, he had a $550 policy, which is about $5,400 today. So the case, while extremely circumstantial, was very strong. In addition to the deaths by arsenic poison, Witnesses reported seeing pink powder at the elder home until I looked that up for this case. I had no idea arsenic was pink. I always thought it was white. Yeah, I I guess I'd never thought of its color, but that's interesting. Pink. So William Fawkes with the Pittsburgh Courier, which was a black newspaper. It was the only newspaper that was reporting on Roberta. William reported on the case and during the trial, it was stated that witnesses told the coroner and the grand jury that the sacks of pink powder would turn up at the family's Easton Street home when Robert took trips, uh, Roberta took trips to her brother's farm near Watkinsville. The excuse was that the powder was to kill plant insects. So I guess like an insecticide. Yeah. Like rat poisons, you know, like, why do you have a lot of rat poison? Oh, yeah, I got rats, sure. Right, right. I got a lot of bugs in the plants. No, you're just trying to kill a lot of people. 
So William M. Elder Jr., her stepson, testified that Roberta had administered medicine to each of the three victims. And he also stated that he had stopped eating at the house after his father's death. When asked why, he responded, I thought if she poisoned them, she might try to get me too. Yeah, smart man. (laughs) So then you add to the witness testimony and the deaths, the life insurance policy, and you basically have a home run case. Roberta was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. The prosecutor was kind of upset that he could not bring up the death penalty as an option due to the fact that it was a circumstantial case. So the law prevented that. Mm. Can you imagine the prosecutor like, I really wanted to kill her too, but <laughs> the law said, yeah. I don't, I don't know why I gave the prosecutor that accent, but. It was, it was, it was very becoming. I was like, man, I'd listen to this person talk all day. <laughs> it was like foghorn leghorn. Yeah. I, I say, I say, I say. <laughs> I'll say, I guess I'll say guilty. <laughs> I say, I say death penalty, but the law says. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So um, Roberta maintained her innocence throughout the entire, the you know, entire trial. Mm-hmm. The same year as Roberta's prosecution, a white female by the name of Nanny Doss, uh-huh. who we mentioned earlier, and she's episode 20, by the way. So when you're going back to listen to it, just put that little check mark by that one. Right. When you're going back to prove that this is really an Angelina Jolie podcast. Every episode. Every episode. Check mark episode 20 and listening to Grand, uh, Nanny Doss, AKA the giggling granny who is accused of killing four husbands. That was episode 20. Wow. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. <laughs> it doesn't seem like that long ago. No, I remember that. Oh, wow. Um, of course she's known as giggling granny because she always giggled when talking about the deaths of her husband and children and more. So Nanny Doss actually garnered national attention at the time, unlike Roberta, even though Roberta's list of victims is as, if not more, prolific as Nanny Doss. Nanny consistently appears on lists of notable female serial killers. Roberta does not. Psychologist uh, Scott Bond believes that the myths about serial killers and their victims has led to the assumption that black serial killers do not exist in significant numbers. Media, mainstream media, seems to perpetrate this myth by giving airtime to the kind of killers that target sympathetic victims, particularly white females. Bond describes this phenomenon as, quote, missing white girl syndrome. So while Roberta... Elder is one of the most prolific female serial killers. You've probably never heard of her before. Until now. And that's why we're here. And exactly. So now you know. And the more you know. Wait, can I get in trouble for saying that? No, that's not the NBC logo anymore. They No, yeah, yeah. That was a it's like a promo thing. NBC's got their own problems. They're not coming after us for <laughs> The more, the more you know. <laughs> but there you go. So two female serial killers that, that were active at the same time, the only difference, one white, one black, one notorious, 
one you've never heard of. And both were poisoners. Yes. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Both used arsenic as their their weapon of choice. Nanny put it in her uh, in her apple prune pies. Yeah. And Roberta apparently liked to put it in bananas and cheese. Yeah. I've got I've got two bananas left from that bunch. I don't know if I'm gonna finish them. <laughs> I don't think anybody has poisoned your bananas. I know, but now I'm gonna think about poison the entire time I'm gonna I'm eating them. It's probably gonna affect the taste. <laughs> As long as there's nothing pink sprinkled on them, don't have any Himalayan pink salt laying around. Well, that's true. I don't. I don't have any pink salt. <laughs> but there you go. That is the story of Roberta Elder, aka Atlanta's Mrs. Blackbeard. This is Kevin Armstrong, your host for Movie Battle. Each episode, we take two films and put a super fan of each against one another to decide which one is best. The only rule we have is that you come correct. If you're interested in being a guest on Movie Battle, please check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So on the A side today, uh, we will talk about something that I've wished I could kill over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> and that is the touch tunes or jukebox at my work. Uh, I've been very lucky over the last few weeks, as, as Brooke, you and I have talked about, things have been picking up at the restaurants and bars here in Minnesota, and the weather's been really nice, and we've got a large patio right now, so mm -hmm. I've been spending more and more hours at work, which I'm very thankful for and super excited about. It's great to see people coming in again. Uh, how many times each shift I'll talk to somebody who is their first time out since, you know, for like they haven't been out in a year or they just got their second vaccine and it's been two weeks and they're super excited to be there. Uh, those stories are outstanding and make every shift just a little bit better to see people excited about eating out again and being with people and talking and we're starting to get people to sit down at the bar again and that vibe is returning. Uh, but one thing that I haven't loved is our TouchTunes jukebox has an absolutely horrible music selection. And it sometimes just doesn't turn on. Uh, it is digital, which means that it's got to be connected to the internet. And some Mondays especially, I don't know if on Mondays the TouchTune company has some sort of you know, update go through, but the machine will always be off and I will have to go through a you know, almost ritual like seance maneuver to get it to turn back on, you know, you unplug it three times, you walk away, you plug Tap it back the top in. Of it. Yeah. You then, then you gotta, you gotta hit pause, then hit unpause, then unplug it while you're hitting pause. And I play with it for like 10, 15 minutes and then I'll walk away and I'll come back. And usually it takes, you know, a good 45 minutes of, of going through the ritualized dance of getting the touch tunes to turn back on again. But then when it does turn on, uh, the music selection is frustrating. And I got so frustrated at hearing the same uh, few songs that I started to do some research because I was like, there has to be someone on the internet who is also raging against the algorithms because I'm sure it's a challenging you know, thing. Brooke, you, you, you know how hard it is to you know, 
create playlists for a radio station and and play songs that people want but not overplay them and and play new stuff but not stuff that people don't know yet because they want to hear you know it's a very delicate balance right so i can only i can only imagine how tough it is for a jukebox when you're adding in we want people to listen to the music and enjoy it but we also want them to be encouraged to play the songs they want to hear so we can't just play all the hits because then they won't spend any money we have to play songs like maybe by the same artist or the same era or same genre to try to get people to play so it's like there's got to be some sort of magic you know secret sauce algorithm out there that i could learn something about and so i started to do some research and what i have found is no one is talking about the secret sauce algorithm for touch tunes so we don't get to do that but what? i did learn you mean there's not like 18 different websites devoted to that alone i i thought there would be i have found nothing Touch Tunes has got that stuff locked down. They won't let you know how it's done. I'm trying to figure out the like the algorithm so I can game it, and no one else has done this because uh, probably no one else cares nearly as much as I do. No, you know uh, what? Because just a real quick shout out to a, a podcast that I really do like, Reply All. They do all that kind of techie stuff. You should really connect with them and see. Yeah, I did. I I was only looking for like news articles and blog posts. I didn't get into any podcasts. It's probably on a podcast because podcasts are very informative, and you should definitely subscribe to your favorite one right away. <laughs> but even if, if if it's not on there, you could write to them, and they would look into it. That's what I do. Yeah. All right. So it's called Reply All. Mm-hmm. Actually, Adam's got homework uh, again. Darn it. Uh, so. <laughs> While I was doing all this, I actually got into a, a bunch of history about jukebox themselves uh, and things that I did not realize, which you know, a couple of things, as soon as they happened, I was like, oh, obviously that makes sense. Uh, but for instance, did you know that the jukebox itself predates radio? No. Jukeboxes were uh, first around in the 1890s. One of the first things that came from uh, Thomas Edison's phonograph was some entrepreneur sticking a coin-operated thing onto it so people would put a coin in and it would play the record. Uh, and the first jukeboxes literally were just a phonograph with that little thing attached that you put the coin into. The record would play, but it didn't have a big speaker. People would have to use one of those listening devices and stick their ear right to it. So it certainly wasn't for a big group of people. So you weren't but juice they, jamming, basically. No, you, it was basically, you were just in a corner kind of doing it by yourself, uh, you know, listening to the, to the record. Uh, as it started to gain more and more popularity in the 19, early 1900s and the 1910s, uh, there would be recordings of large-scale orchestras and other classical music that would be added to jukeboxes and played. Uh, and then, almost as jukeboxes were growing, you've been around for about 20, 30 years, they're just about to take hold in the national consciousness. They get whacked upside the head because of an invention in the mid-1920s, radio, which provided free music. So you didn't have to put any coins into the phonograph anymore because you had radio. Uh, this meant that during the 1930s, the phonograph industry and the jukebox industry almost completely disappeared. Then, as everyone was getting into uh, modern music, and even the radio was hesitant to play some of this newfound rock and roll that and jazz. fangled garbage. That, yeah, that, that devil's music. Uh, <laughs> kids could find it in jukeboxes. And jukeboxes started to pop up in diners and restaurants all over the country uh, and where kids would come and play music and 
pump the uh, jukebox full of coins and spend a lot of money because they couldn't listen to it at home, which then would lead to people spending hours and hours at your sort of classic Americana style diners. Uh, and one of the big companies that made like the classic, you know, when you think of like happy days and you've got Fonzie there, like kicking or elbowing the jukebox. So it plays his favorite song. Uh, was a company named rock Ola. So R O C K dash O L A, which was one of the first uh, jukebox companies and is the only uh, original jukebox company that is still in production today. Uh, they are, have been around since 1927 in the 1940s, they called the golden age of jukeboxes. At that time, as many as 75% of all the records produced in the country, in the United States of America, went straight into jukeboxes. Well, so, okay, question. Is Rockola yes. any, is it like an offshoot of Victrola? Uh, not, that I, not that I read in their official website. Okay. Yeah, just Rock Ola in the beginning. Thomas Edison, the John Gable Manufacturing Company was a previous incarnation of it. But Rock Ola started in 1927. So, yeah, I think they probably just stole the Victrola, you know, like the Ola, you know, like everything is everything is like you got your iMac, you got your iPod, you got your iPad, you got your iWatch, you've got your iRobot. Get your eye vacuum. And I was like, you know, I became like the maybe Ola was the, the terminology eye of, back of then. the day. Yeah. Uh, so in the 1940s, 75% of records went directly into jukeboxes. And Rock Ola developed the wall box system so you could have even more records uh, to be able to be played on the jukeboxes. And their, their classic one was what they called the bubbler jukebox, which has got the it's got that that classic sort of u like elongated u shape that when you think of a jukebox from the olden days that's what you think of evidently the bubbler was the name of the name of the style okay which is another thing i didn't know existed i mean i've had a little when i was a kid we were flea marketing or we were going to flea markets in arkansas because we visited my grandparents and then there wasn't a lot to do in arkansas so my dad and i would go flea marketing and we would search for collectibles and i found this little uh cassette tape player that was shaped like a jukebox and i thought that was the coolest thing Neat. and i still have that to this day like 30 years later uh which is ridiculous but all this time i had no idea that it was called a bubbler uh but these bubblers uh often mimicked sort of the design of the time. So in the 1940s and 50s, they were uh, much like the cars at the time, very showy and elaborate with like linting silver finishes, chrome, but sometimes they'd have like tail fins and grills and design features that were, you know, very much automobile, but bringing them into the restaurant. Uh, inspired by, you know, things like, you know, Harley Davidson and that. Uh, in the 70s, jukeboxes continued, uh, but they started at downtown because one of many things that disco did was also kill the jukebox. So disco came along and, and the hot place to go stopped being the restaurants and the diners and the congregation for the kids. Now it was the disco. And so disco came along and also killed the jukebox. Luckily, uh, over the years, then rock music and video came along and killed disco. But as the And then video killed the radio star. 
and the video killed the radio star. Uh, all this time, jukeboxes have kind of stayed in the background. The problem is there's not a lot of companies that manufacture them and not a lot of people that fix them. And because they're so mechanical and so intricate, I mean, if you think of all the parts that go into picking a record, spinning it around, bringing it over, playing, having the, the right buttons correlate to the right records, uh, just having somebody to service those and even having the records to play, uh, they've slowly gone out of style and out of function, even for those people that want to keep them around. Uh, back in 2018, uh, NPR's, what is this called? All Things Considered actually found a gentleman who has his entire life, since he was 16, gone around and fixed old classic uh, jukeboxes. Uh, so his name is Perry Rosen. And since, since he was 16, he's been going around fixing people's jukeboxes. It used to be for restaurants and diners. And now, uh, at least three years ago, it was more private collectors and people that have set up you know, their man caves or, or she sheds with the jukebox in their basement or out in the yard and he would travel all over the country uh he was uh based out of new york but had been flown out to california to repair jukeboxes he'd gone all the way down to uh you've gone to florida flown out to california to replay to repair jukeboxes because people as the vinyl revolution is expanding uh, we mentioned, I don't know, in a previous episode that Adam doesn't always pay attention to his subscriptions. And I have, uh, for the last year, been subscribed to a service that was supposed to send me vinyl records because I'm trying to get into vinyl records because I want to be a cool dad. Uh, <laughs> that is a huge thing. Vinyl records are growing quite a bit. And even new uh, artists are like common day artists or modern day artists are putting things out on vinyl as well. Uh, one of the records that I was supposed to receive that I've still not yet received is uh, Harry Styles' uh, newest album, but on vinyl. Oh, it's good too. Yeah, I've, I've heard really good things. So I, I was like, well, that seems very, you know, like this is the type you can just put on the record player while I'm, you know, making my bananas and cheese and, and go from there. So, <laughs> uh, but this guy travels all over the country because jukeboxes are now become more of a collectible item. They have been replaced in most bars and restaurants, like the one I work in, by digital jukeboxes. Uh, by, uh, you know, often one company, Touchtoons, is the one that I deal with, but there are several different companies. Uh, and the one thing I did find when looking for the Touchtoons secret algorithm and how I can game it to play better songs was a proliferation of opinion pieces about how digital jukeboxes are eroding the musical experience in dive bars and diners all over the country because there's too many choices. So you can go to any, there were uh, articles like say this one in the Atlantic by uh, Lauren Michelle Jackson from 2018, who talks about how one of the greatest joys of jukeboxes was that the jukebox and the music selection would replace, would reflect the place that they were in because the owner would, would want certain music in there or they would try to have certain music for the clientele. And you would learn a little bit about the environment and the atmosphere of that bar or restaurant by what was available on the jukebox. Now, with the entire catalog of a company like Touchtoons, you can go into any bar or restaurant and hear kind of the same thing. So you're losing that individuality and you're only getting options of pretty much 
nationwide appeal. Uh, you won't have, you know, say here in the Twin Cities, you could have some local artists that have put out records that their CDs or vinyls may have been in at local jukeboxes, but now they're never big enough to get the attention of Touchtoons, so they're not going to be available to play digitally. Uh, Touchtoons does work with Spotify, so you can link your account, and then things you listen to on Spotify, you can potentially play on Touchtoons, but only if they're in the Touchtoons catalog. So uh, one of my frustrations is that there are a limited number of unlimited options on the TouchTunes library. And we tend to hear the same ones over and over. Uh, so there are some existing channels that we can play, uh, but I will probably have to just bite the bullet as I have many times recently and pay to hear a new song, which I think really what we've learned in this entire experience is whatever the TouchTunes algorithm is, it's working because it makes me pay to hear the songs that are different and new. <laughs> and that's probably exactly what they design. It is designed to do. So uh, jukeboxes are great, but are on for a long time. Uh, vinyl ones are disappearing, but they're coming back in your friends, you know, she sheds and man caves. So take your 45s over there. And uh, it doesn't appear there's any way to fix the touch tunes algorithm other than bowing to the touch tunes gods and paying a dollar per play. So what has been your go-to on your touch tunes? Honestly, uh, if I, I can even like, I can pull it up and send you a screenshot of my most, most played because I've got like a playlist when it gets like really busy and I need to like, okay, I got to focus. So I, I really can't hear any more Bob Seger right now. And, and please don't play me any Rod Stewart. Because those, those two guys, I feel like I'm developing a very confrontational relationship with their music because it always comes on when we're like the busiest. And I'm like, I don't want to hear Rod Stewart right now. Uh, so my, and I'm stalling because my app is loading. Uh, my most played. <laughs> I was don't want to hear honest, Maggie or Downtown Train? No, even it's not even those. It's like deep cuts. It's like, <laughs> it's like, why, what? what is this no one wants to hear this random uh like it would be one thing if it was like rod stewart's if you think i'm sexy because that one's at least like silly and funny and like somebody like will engage conversation mm -hmm. uh that's the one thing about most of the music it's just it's very non-engaging and just doesn't get people excited it just it just kind of happens in the background it's background music uh but my top plays on uh touch tunes right now are Judah and the Lion, Suit and Jacket, which is a very calming song for me. Mm -hmm. uh, Almond Brown's The Sweetest Thing. Okay. Uh, at, at the end of the night, when I am cleaning up, I love to start out my cleanup playlist with Warren G's Regulate. <laughs> uh, when I'm trying to get myself going uh, and like it's getting really stressful and I need to, to have some energy, I play Inya Kamuz's Here Comes the Hot Stepper. Heine Kamozi. In, yeah, yeah, I don't know how to, to, to say most of the names. Uh, and then DJ Shadow's Rocket Fuel. Okay. Uh, the Black Keys Tighten Up. Mm -hmm. uh, you got like I'm an amped up list there. Oh, yeah, because usually it's like, okay, I've got 30 drinks to pour or I've got five tables to get to and I need to get, you know, some energy going. And like, you know, a song, you know, a, a slow ballad right now is not what we need. Uh, the Fun Loving Criminals Scooby Snacks 
It is one of my favorites when it's rather when the bar is mostly debt. Uh, en Vogue's My Lovin', another one that gets me through. Never gonna get uh, it. Let's see. Here. Yeah, uh, Lizzo's Water Me. Okay. Uh, Praz, uh and I think Maya is involved in this one, and uh, ODB as well. Uh, Ghetto Superstar. Yes. Yeah, uh, and then uh, the number one song that when I am in a bad mood, if it comes on, it immediately puts me in a better mood, and it's inexplicable, is War's Lowrider. <laughs> yeah, I was once I was once asked uh, years ago if I if like when you walk into a room, what is the song you want playing, and inexplicably at that moment I said War's Lowrider. And everyone just looked at me like that is the least Adam song we've ever heard. And so now I love it. It makes me smile every time I hear it. And uh, you can't lowrider like when it starts with like the, the, the you know like the the beat. You right. can't you can't not like your shoulders immediately start bouncing, and you, you get you get the groove right away. So if uh, if this was like the uh, the Avengers and you needed to calm down the Hulk instead of uh, Black Widow playing you know going like. Sun's getting pretty high, big guy. For mm -hmm. me, you just play you just play low rider, and then I'm immediately in a better mood. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm here for it though. Yeah. So I have to play all of those songs because none of those songs will ever play uh on accident on the jukebox because I've now paid money to play them. So uh it's much like a casino. I am now sucked in and I'll just keep plugging the jukebox. <laughs> Oh, me. All right. So you need to, like I said earlier, go to um, Reply All, look through their episodes. And if you don't see one about a jukebox, write to them because that's they, they are the tech customer service. That's their whole spiel for their for their podcast. I mean, so far as to like, you know, the robo dials that like will call you and hang up. Mm -hmm. They like track some of that down. Oh, nice. Yeah, wow. it's it's wild. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I will definitely do that because I want to figure out how to get like I I always thought like if I keep like it was it was very very naive but in my in my naivete I was like well if I play this song all the time then every once in a while they'll throw me a bone and play it for free no Adam that, yeah. that's not how, that's not how that works that that's that's not how it works all right so is that the A side. That is the A side. And uh, as I get ready to go uh, and re-engage my day with the jukebox here in a couple hours. So uh, I feel like I've already been there. <laughs> Lowrider is going to see you should like set it. So as soon as you walk in, it's playing because you can do that. Yeah, the, the, that is maybe the, the one good like double-edged sword good thing bad thing like i can like if i know i can like right now i can go to my work and play a song even if i'm not there using the app which yes. is kind of cool but that can also be used by nefarious ne'er-do-wells to like play you know barbie girl seven times at a restaurant when they're not there uh and to, to annoy the staff or the uh guests so not that anyone's ever done that but it's it's happened all right. So uh, episode, this is episode number 45. Again, if you want that free t-shirt, you're going to have to go back and listen to the other 44 episodes to find 
how it is, in fact, an Angelina Jolie podcast. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and, some, and some of them are really hidden. Really hidden. Like, you're going to have to listen very carefully. While you're doing that, you can head on over to our website. We've got all of our Angelina Jolie sources. And we also have merch. So when you're trying to figure out which T-shirt you want, you can head on over to the website and, and look at all the different T-shirt options. <laughs> that's a side b side podcast dot square dot site and uh, also we have the social medias we've got an instagram we've got a youtube we've got a facebook and a twitter am i leaving anything off uh did you mention the youtube i did Okay. Well, evidently the only thing we're missing is Adam's listening. <laughs> because you are trying to plan out playing lowrider when you walk into work. I am. I got I got to figure out where on my walk to work I need to hit play so I can walk in at the chorus. So, <laughs> th these are the important things that Adam does with his time. Oh man. Uh, also, again, all our sources are on our website. It's a side b side podcast.square.site. You can also support the podcast by buying us a coffee. It's uh, buymeacoffee.com slash a side b side pod. Of course, all that money either goes to coffee for real, actual coffee, or uh, to promotion um, of the show. So there you go. All right. Another episode down. Yay, Adam. Yay, Brooke. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Goodbye! <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Brooke. As always, thank you for listening to A-Side, B-Side podcast. If you enjoy the show, please, if you don't mind, head on over to Apple and leave us a rating or a review. And if you'd like to continue to support the podcast, you can do so by heading on over to Patreon or you can buy us a coffee, as well as buying merch on our website, A-Side, B-Side podcast.square.site. From Adam and I at A-Side, B-Side podcast, please remember to wear your mask, social distance if you're around people that don't live in your household, and just be safe and happy. Thanks again from us here at A-Side B-Side Podcast.